The following message was brought to you by the gifts and love offerings of the people of Rancho Baptist Church in Temecula, California. This message was recorded during our regular Sunday morning worship service. Because Jesus lives, we too shall live. And that's the message that our elder chair, Eric Craig, will be relaying to us this morning. Please open your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And let's join Eric now as he brings us the word. I became a believer in Jesus Christ as my Savior in May of 1969, my first year of high school. God began tenderizing my heart, though, when I was in junior high. This is my junior high. You see the kind of crook that is made around the, around it, uh, the shepherd's crook, it, that's Sunset Boulevard. That's Paul Revere Middle School. It used to be a junior high when I was there. That's in Brentwood. That is a place where people are scandalously rich, according to some people. They are doing well. I went to school with a lot of very wealthy family kids. Uh, My family was firmly middle class. I lived on the far end, the west end of Pacific Palisades. So I did not qualify to be amongst the rich people, so to speak. But it was a great place to grow up and a great place to go to school. We had a transfer student at uh, Paul Revere when I was there who came to our school from somewhere in the inner city, from urban Los Angeles. Apparently, he needed to leave his school because his life was under threat. So they brought him to our school, totally different place. He was a streetwise, bad boy kind of guy. Do you know the kind that I mean? I don't know what it is about bad boys, but the girls all like him. (laughs) And I remember not being very pleased about that. Actually, he was very popular with everybody. And, um, you know, he was just a different sort of guy. He was interesting. Tragically... He died young. He actually died while we were uh, while I was at Paul Revere. He didn't die at the school as such, but he did die during those years. And I remember all of us walking around with black badges, you know, of mourning. And it was a time of uh, of a great deal of of people being very uh, desolated by his by his death. I didn't know what to make of the situation. No one close to me had ever died. I didn't think much about death. Does it hurt? What happens to you when you die? The closest thing I could do in my understanding, the closest I could come was that it was like going to sleep and never waking up. It was like going to sleep and never dreaming. And that frightened me. It prepared me to hear what Jesus did for me when he died on the cross in my place. Now, I want to make it clear. um, This is so important. My purpose is not to scare anyone here today. But it is to inform you. uh, So you can make informed choices. What happens to you when you die? 
Well, if you have not transferred your trust to Jesus to save you, we read in Luke 6, 20, 16, 23, that you go to a place called Hades and to a place of torment. Luke 16, 23 says, and in Hades, it's not very easy to read, I'm sorry that, they made Jesus' words in red, I'm sorry. In Hades, he lifted up his eyes, being in torment, and saw Abraham far away and Lazarus in his bosom. I want you to take the notes out of your bulletin if you use notes, and you can jot this passage down, you can look at it later. The fuller passage is Luke 16, verses 19 to 31. You can read it later. But if you have a relationship with Jesus through faith, today, now that he has died on the cross, been buried and risen, um, now that we're in the church age, today, our promise is found in 2 Corinthians 5.8. We are of good courage, I say, and prefer rather to be absent from the body and to be at home with the Lord. In Philippians chapter 1, verse 23, But I am hard-pressed from both directions, having the desire to depart and be with Christ, for that is very much better. To depart from the body, for the spirit to depart from the body, immediately goes to be with the Lord. That is wonderful. But what happens to your body? It is buried or burned or whatever. But is that the end of your body? No. It will rise again. I'd like you to take your Bible now and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We're going to look at 1 Corinthians 15 today. And our big idea there in 1 Corinthians 15 is that we have hope because the gospel is all about resurrection. We have hope because the gospel is all about resurrection. And the first thing we have, the first section in verses 1 to 11 is the gospel and resurrection. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 1. Now I make known to you, brethren, the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received, and which you also in which also you stand, by which also you are saved, if you hold fast the word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. So the gospel is about salvation. Now if in verse two, and unless in verse two, does not cast doubt on the salvation of the Corinthian believers. Instead, Paul expresses his concern that they remember the gospel that he preached to them and by which they were saved, including resurrection. Resurrection is fundamental to the gospel. They needed to hold tight to the gospel that Paul preached to them, which included resurrection, especially when resurrection came under attack by other false teachers. Verse 3. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day 
according to the scriptures. The gospel, the elements of the gospel. First, Christ died. Christ was buried. Christ was raised. There are three basic elements here in verses 3 and 4. They are that Christ died, that Christ was buried, and that Christ was raised. Verse 5. And that he appeared to Cephas, that's Peter, then to the twelve. After that he appeared to more than 500 brethren at one time, most of whom remain until now, but some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James then to all the apostles, and last of all, as if it were, as it were to one untimely born, he appeared to me also. What we have here is about the gospel, we have proof because he was seen. Proof. He was seen. He was seen, that is, by eyewitnesses. We can know that Jesus died. We can know that he was buried. We can know that he rose again because he was seen. Those were things that were seen and known. And now Paul's testimony, verses 9 to 11, for I am the least of the apostles who are not fit to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church. Least because he he persecuted the church. He suffered a great deal of guilt for that, and uh, I can understand that, verse 10. But the grace of God, by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace toward me did not prove vain. But I labored even more than all of them, not yet not I, but the grace of God with me. Paul's salvation and ministry was all because of God's grace. Verse 11. Whether then it was I or they So we preach and so you believe. The Corinthians came to faith by the preaching of Paul and by the preaching of other preachers. So we have no resurrection, no hope. Verse 12. Now if Christ is preached that he has been raised from the dead, how do some among you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is vain and your faith is vain. So, if Christ is not raised, our faith is vain. In Corinth, they were all about experiencing pleasure and the now, the today. So some were resurrection deniers. The Greeks believed that when you died, your soul left the body, was freed from the body, and that was very much better. They had no concept, generally speaking, of resurrection. So for there to be resurrection means being imprisoned in a body once again, and that was not the Greek idea. Logically, no resurrection would mean that Christ had not been raised. That would mean the message that their message and their faith was vain and empty. Empty is literally what it means. Verse 15. Moreover, 
We are even found to be false witnesses of God because we witness against God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise if, in fact, the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless, you are still in your sins. If Christ is not raised, our faith is worthless. Verse 18. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If we have hoped in Christ in this life only, we are of all men most to be pitied. So hope in this life, hope in Christ in this life only is pitiful. Without resurrection, believers who had died would have perished. To open Christ in this life only, we are most pitiable. Another variation on that is miserable. Then the order of resurrection, verse 20. But now Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who are asleep. For since by a man came death, by a man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ all shall be made alive. So Christ is the prototype. Jesus is the first fruit of resurrection. There would be more to come. Adam brought death. All die. Christ brought resurrection. All of his followers will come back to life. Verse 23. But each in his own order. Christ the first fruits. After that, those who are Christ at his coming in the rapture. Then comes the end when he delivers up the king to the, to the God and Father, when he has abolished all rule and all authority and power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. Christ first, then believers, then the end. Christ's resurrection, then Christ's followers' resurrection at his coming, then the end of the millennium, And Jesus will reign until those who rebel against him are put under his feet. But the last enemy, it says in verse 26, the last enemy that will be abolished is death. So death will be abolished. That's a good thing. Verse 27. For he has put all things in subjection under his feet. But when he says all things are put in subjection, it is evident that he is is accepted who put all things in subjection to him. That he, God, is accepted who put all things in subjection to him, Jesus. And when all things are subjected to him, then the Son himself will also be subjected to the one who subjected all things to him, that God may be all in all. Everything will be in proper subjection. Rebels put will be put in proper subjection. All things, but not God the Father, according to verse 27. Jesus, as the God-man's son, will be subjected to God, that God may be in right relation to everything. And then we have resurrection and the risk. And one of the most difficult verses in the Bible to understand, at least 
for interpreters. Resurrection and the risk. Verse 29. Otherwise, what will those do who are baptized for the dead? If the dead are not raised at all, why then are they baptized for them? So baptism in the place in in the place of Huper, those who are who died in their testimony in baptism. Lowry says that up to two hundred explanations have been given of this verse. Not all commentators are in agreement. Here are three examples. The first, baptism for others so they can be saved. Vicarious baptism, baptism so others can be saved. Who holds that view? Mormons hold that view. And they are bad. That's why they're so big into uh, tracing family lineage. They're trying to baptize all their family members into heaven, whether they were Mormons or not. Ryrie rightly labels this view, which is nowhere else found, or no even hint of it's found in the Bible. He labels it heretical. Baptism for the dead, another view says, is related to a Greek mystery religion in Eleusis, a city north of Corinth, across the bay. Um, There was baptism in in this mystery religion, but there's no hint of that in this as well. It's not that, that it's wrong to be baptized for uh, for those who uh, be baptized for the dead. So I reject that one also. Then baptism in the place of other believers who died because of their testimony. This is a view held by Ryrie, Farstad, Craig, and other really well-informed interpreters of the Bible. Um, it was a dangerous thing to be a Christian and, and to be open about your testimony. When you were baptized, it was in public. It was in the open. Many people died because of their testimony. When they died, that left open places that we needed more witnesses to fill. Um, Football players died on the field of, of play, and we needed more substitute players to take their place in the line, so to speak. Verse 30. Why are we also in danger every hour? I protest, brethren, by the boasting, by the boasting in you which I have in Christ Jesus our Lord, I die daily. I protest, brethren, by the boat, excuse me, verse 32. If from human motives I fought with wild beasts at Ephesus, what does it profit me? If the dead are not raised, let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. Risky ministry is foolish without resurrection. Why take risks in ministry, even fighting with wild beasts, risking death, unless we have assurance of future resurrection? 
If there is no resurrection, we should join the Epicureans in pursuing pleasure in this life. Parenthetically, let me say that this phrase, which is attributed to the Epicureans, let us eat, drink, for tomorrow we die. That sounds a lot like this world today. But this is not the perspective that we have as Christians. Verse 33. Do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. Become sober-minded as you ought and stop sinning. For some have no knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. Sober up. People need Christ. Now, verse 33 is a quote from a Greek pagan playwriter, Menander. Avoid association with folks with bad behavior. Do not be deceived. They will degrade your good morals. Sober up, because drinking, over-drinking was a big thing in Corinth. Sober up. Stop sinning. Some even among them were ignorant, among the Christian believers in Corinth, were ignorant about God. Sober up. People need Christ. Now, people around you, are they ignorant about God? Do they need Jesus? My life's testimony and my words must be consistently like Christ in order for people around me to have a chance of being saved. Your life's testimony, your words, need to be like Christ as well. All of us need to be consistent in our testimony. Maybe there are folks, even here this morning, who lack knowledge of God and need a relationship with God through faith in Christ. If that is true, today is the day to get that right. Then we have the resurrection body in verses 35 to 49. Verse 35. But someone will say, how are the dead raised? And what kind of body do they in what kind of body do they come? This is an objection. We know that because of verse 36. You fool. That which you sow does not come to life unless it dies. And that which you sow, you do not sow that body with sow the body which is to be, but a bare grain, perhaps of wheat or of something else. But God gives a body just as he wished, and to each of the seeds a body of its own. So we see the body as a seed here, in verses 36 to 38. Now in that picture of Paul Revere Middle School, you remember it? Do you remember the shepherd's crook? Uh, up at the top there were uh, there were... Athletic fields, you remember those? Well, tucked up in the corner, away from most of the school, there was a maintenance classroom building 
where we had agriculture class. I have no idea why kids who came from such wealthy families had agriculture class. But you know what? It was a good thing. It got us out into a, there was a field out behind the building and there was room for us to be able to till the soil. No power tools. We took hand tools and we tilled the soil. We got down into the earth. We added amendments. We put the rows into shape and then we dug little holes all by the instruction of the instructor. We dug little holes and we put in seeds. I remember we grew corn. We grew radishes. We grew... uh, uh, carrots. We grew carrots. I remember we put three seeds of corn, three three of the corn kernels into the ground in each place where we wanted something to grow to make sure something would grow. And we tended to that, and if too many of them came up, we came, we we made it so only one was in there. And eventually, we 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 kept watering them, and we kept fertilizing them, and by the end of the semester, we had corn. We had radishes. We had lots of radishes. We had carrots. It was wonderful. I loved that. It was a break from all the other rigmarole of school. Verse uh, verse 39. All flesh is not the same flesh, but there is one flesh of men and and another flesh of beasts another flesh of birds, and another of fish. There are also heavenly bodies and earthly bodies, but the glory of the heavenly is one, and the glory of the earthly is another. There is one glory of the sun, and another glory of the moon, and another glory of the stars, for star differs from star in glory. We have different bodies and different glories. Here we go. Verse 42. So also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown a perishable body. It is raised an imperishable body. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. So also with the resurrection of the dead in verses 42 to 44. We have things that are sown, we have things that are raised. We have a perishable body that is sown, an imperishable body that is raised. We have a uh, we have the body sown in dishonor, but it is raised in glory. We have we have it sown in weakness, but it is raised in power. We have it sown a natural body. We have it have it raised a, a, a spiritual body. Don't expect this body to be like the body that is raised. Our body will be like Jesus' glorified body. I look forward to that. So also it is written, verse 45, verse 45, the first man, Adam, became a living soul. The last Adam, Jesus, became a life-giving spirit. However, the spiritual is not first, but the natural, then the spiritual. The first man, Adam, is from the earth, earthy. The second man is from heaven. As is the earthy, so also are those who are earthy. And as is the heavenly, so also are those who are heavenly. And just as we have borne the image of the earthy, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. 
I look forward to the glorified body. Do you? I look forward to being able to walk and run and jump. I know you can do that already, but for me, it's a big deal. Um, I, I look forward to the day when, well, you know, Jesus' body, he can walk right through doors. Materialize on the other side of closed doors. That'll be cool. Yeah, uh, Jesus had the wounds on his hands and his feet and his side. And you could touch him. He, he could be material if he needed to be. He could be immaterial if he needed to be. Spiritual body, very flexible. Uh, Jesus, when he called Peter in from the water, do you remember? He had fish waiting. And you know what they did? They ate. It's a good thing that the glorified body you can eat. I think that's a good thing. That's one of my favorite things. Will we be able to fly in a glorified body? I don't know. The Bible doesn't say. I anticipate that maybe we will be able to. I don't think the Bible tells us everything there is to know about glorified bodies, but it's going to be a discovery process. We'll find out. Okay. Now we're going to have, we uh, like Adam, like Christ, we will, have, we will bear the image of the heavenly, the risen Christ. And then the resurrection and the rapture, verse 50. Now I say this, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. The principle, flesh and blood cannot inherit. We must be made suitable to be with Christ in heaven. Verse 51. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. For this perishable must put on the imperishable, and this mortal must put on immortality. Asleep or alive, we shall all be changed. This is a mystery, something that is not previously that was not previously revealed in the Old Testament, but which is revealed now. Romans sixteen twenty five, Colossians one twenty six. Romans six sixteen twenty five, Colossians one twenty six. I'm repeating it because I want you to write it down to look at it later. We shall not all sleep in death, but everyone will be transformed. The last trumpet for the departure of the church in the rapture will blow, and the dead in Christ will be resurrected, and believers who are alive will all be changed. Compare 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 to 18. Do not, do, we, but, we, but we do not want you to be uninformed, brethren, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as do the rest who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord shall not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. 
Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together and be with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Our bodies must be made suitable to join Jesus in heaven. I think the rapture, I think it will be soon. Do you? I've always believed that. From when I first came to Christ in 1969 until today. I remember in 1973, I was in the research library at UCLA, and all of a sudden, the air raid sirens went off. I had no clue. We don't have tornadoes in Southern California, not generally speaking. The weather was not like that. But I thought, you know, the rapture is happening right now. (laughs) I won't have to take that test. Yahoo! And it didn't happen. But I believe the, the rapture of the church is going to come soon. And yes, I do believe that the rapture of the church will take place just before the beginning of Daniel's 70th week. I am indeed pre-tribulational in my view of the timing of the rapture. But only God knows for sure. I could be wrong. I don't think so, but I could be wrong. (laughs) None of us knows for sure when that will be. I would urge you, study the timing for yourself. Read what the Bible has to say in 1 Corinthians 15, in 1 Thessalonians 4, in 1 Thessalonians 5, in 2 Thessalonians 2. Read about it and then find a commentary and read some more. And listen to those who have great knowledge about these things. People who speak in sermons about the rapture and resurrection. Yes, listen to people who who teach about these things. But don't just listen to me. Listen to others. Find all the wisdom you can to figure it out. Because it's a puzzle that no one can figure out. No one, no one is 100% sure. If I'm wrong then we will see the Antichrist in the Holy of Holies, and I'll say, I guess I was wrong. But the rapture's coming soon. <laughs> but my view is that the rapture is the next, the next event on God's uh, prophetic calendar. I believe it could happen at any time. I think it will happen soon. God knows, but we should learn as best we can. Read, listen, ask questions. I'm listening for the trumpet. Are you? Verse 54. But when this perishable will have put on the imperishable, and this mortal will have put on immortality, then will come about the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So we have victory over death in Christ. Death for us 
when the rapture takes place and the resurrection takes place, death for us will be over. Our bodies will be made new, will be glorified. I love that. I'm looking forward to that. Won't that be sweet? Parenthetically, let me say that our staff and some of our missionaries tend to say, won't that be sweet? So I've covenanted with myself to make sure that I say sweet in each sermon somewhere. It's sweet. The big idea is, did we get the last verse? Let's get the last verse. Verse 58. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast and movable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil is not in vain in the Lord. Your toil is not in vain in the Lord. Hang in there. Keep doing the work of the Lord. Don't compromise with the world. The resurrection, the rapture, they are ahead. They're close. Your toil is not in vain in the Lord. The big idea is that we have hope because the gospel is all about resurrection. I'm watching and listening, and I urge you to do the same. Watch the news. What's happening in the news? What's happening with Iran? Uh, did you uh, did you read about this? The IAEA came out with a new with a new report. That's the International Atomic Energy Agency of the UN. It believes uh, they they wrote that they believe that Iran is doing things only useful in the development of nuclear weapons. It's not a peaceful program exclusively. There are aspects that do include nuclear weapons. And then you need to watch and listen to what these guys say. Do you know him? That's President uh, Mahmoud Ahmadinejad, who's known for saying things like, Israel needs to be wiped off the face of the earth. They're trying to get a nuclear weapon so they can do that. Do you know what they call Israel? They call Israel a one nuclear bomb country. It's small enough, you can wipe it out with one nuclear bomb. What about this guy, Supreme Leader Ali Khamenei? He's the guy behind the throne. He's the one who has the real power. He believes that the Mahdi, the the 12th Imam, uh, the leader, the future leader of Islam is about to come. He thinks he's seen him already. He believes that he can hasten the coming of the Imam if they start wars. Do you think they're going to try and start a war? I'd say that Iran is a place to watch. I'd say that we need to find out and keep up the tabs with what's happening in Israel. Do you think they're going to sit by and wait for Iran to get a nuclear weapon? Could that trigger events? I think it could. What is happening in the European Union, the EU? What with Greece and Italy and Portugal and Spain and Ireland? That place is about to come apart at the seams. Would that have an effect on us in the world financially? Would that open the door for a one-world leader to come in on a white horse? I think it might. What's happening in Russia and China? All these things bear watching. Um, Romans 13, 11. 
And this do you knowing the time, that it is already the hour for you to awaken from sleep. Pay attention. For now salvation is nearer to us than when we believed. Verse 12. The night is almost gone, and the day is at hand. Let us therefore be lay aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. In James 5.8, You too be patient. Strengthen your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. I believe that. 1 Peter 4.7, the end, the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be of sound judgment and sober spirit for the purpose of prayer. I want to tell you that the time is growing short. And we as Christians, we need to bear our testimony before those around us who need Jesus as Savior. Not because we're trying to witness, but because we're being honest with them in the way that we live and in what we say. And to do so in a loving way. Now I would say that if there is someone in this room today who's not yet received Jesus Christ as their Savior, I would say the day today is the time to do it. The time is now. Stop trusting in your own best efforts, I would say. I would say, transfer your trust to Jesus right now, even as we pray. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, you know every person here. You know who here is in need of new life in Christ. You know our hearts. Please open the hearts of those who have not yet trusted in Jesus and give them saving faith. Save them, please, today. If you want new life today, pray with me. In your heart, speak to the Lord, phrase by phrase, and tell him what's in your heart. He will save you if, you want, if you'll let him. God, I have sinned. Tell him. I have sinned, Lord. I deserve to go to hell. I cannot save myself. But you love me. And you sent your son Jesus to die in my place. To pay for my sins. Jesus, I transfer my trust to you now. And I transfer my trust to what you did for me on the cross to save me. Please be my Savior. Save me. Thank you. Now, Father, I ask that you would bless all of us as we share with those around us about the need to get right with God through faith in Jesus Christ. And I pray that those around us will come and believe. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thanks for being with us today. It's always a pleasure to serve you with this CD ministry. Here at Rancho Baptist Church, our mission is to glorify God by making disciples who love God, love others, and live to reach their world for Christ. And if you have any questions regarding this sermon, or just perhaps knowing God in a deeper way, don't hesitate to give us a call. Our phone number is area code 951-676-2911. 
Or you can reach us on the web at www.RanchoBaptistChurch.org. That's www.RanchoBaptistChurch.org. Have a great day in the Lord, and God bless you as you continue to walk with Him.